Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Experts Only. I'm your host, John Powers. We've got a really interesting interview today with Greg Whetstone, who's the President and Chief Executive Officer for ACOR, the American Council on Renewable Energy. I've interviewed Greg before in the past about ACOR and his background, but today we really dive into a new report that ACOR has put out. In 2018, they did they launched a effort to get a trillion dollars of private investment by 2030, uh, and the campaign is really focused on aligning things like the market and ensuring so the fundamentals are in place to, to grow the space. And ACOR recently published an update on that report. You can find it at acor.org. And we're going to talk a little bit about that report and sort of where the market is today, uh, as well as you know what what we can sort of expect uh, post COVID. But the good news is, you know, as Greg said, things continue to be on track. We've, we've seen over sixty eight billion of investment in clean energy last year alone. So really exciting stuff. Um, look forward to the conversation. Hope you enjoy. Greg, welcome back to Experts Only. You bet. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, of course. It's really exciting stuff you guys are doing at ACOR. And I wanted to take a second, uh, you know, in our previous episode, you talked a lot about the mission of ACOR, but for folks that may not have heard it, could you just tell uh, the audience about the American Council on Renewable Energy and uh, and your mission? Sure. We're a national nonprofit that promotes the transition to a renewable energy economy. That transition, that's our mission. Uh, ACOR is a 501c3 nonprofit. We have members that go across the renewable technologies and also across the transaction space. So we have developers and manufacturers and investors and utilities and big corporate all off-takers, you know, all really working together for that mission to promote that transition. That's fantastic. And, you know, we talk a lot on this this uh, podcast about how, in the last decade was about the alignment of a lot of things in the market, policy, finance, technology, uh, you know, the solar installers, we're going to get trained up and became a national thing. We talk a lot about how the next 10 years is about real acceleration to 2030 uh, so we can actually address our climate goals. This report you guys have put out really aligns well with, well with that. And uh, I appreciate it because it aligns with my theory. But too, <laughs> when you look back at 2018, you know, you launched the, the trillion dollars by 2030 campaign to achieve a trillion in private sector investment in renewable energy and also in enabling the grid, which is a critical part of that. First of all, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how this report can help align stakeholders around things like policy and market drivers. But take us back to 2018. What was the mindset of ACOR to put this report together and talk a little bit about, you know, why did you choose 2030? Why did you choose a trillion dollars? Like, what was the metrics that really help bring that together. Yeah, we were we were looking for a way to provide a, a longer-term goal that's consistent with the climate imperative. It's not temperature-linked, but consistent with what our modeling suggests uh, is the growth rate we need to be on to be even within shouting distance. Right. Um, and we wanted something that would allow us clarity to measure our progress. That was really important. So that's why we looked to finance. And obviously we have 
the ability to connect with the investors and developers and get insight in how we're doing there. And those numbers are, you know, obtainable. Uh, yeah. We work closely with BNEF and we, we use their data. And uh, we wanted something that was uh, ambitious, but that we think we have a real shot at getting to. And uh, there we are. Uh, you could certainly argue that from a climate perspective, it, it's a little more than a good start. Uh, yeah. And yet, it, you know, it's, it's a stretch goal for this sector. And, and we're going to need, and we'll, we'll discuss it more, even though we, we saw a dramatic increase in 2019 in terms of our investment that allowed us to make real headway. We've got to increase substantially every single year between now and 2030, really, to, to make this goal stay in range. Yeah. And just so folks are clear on this goal, right, you're talking about a trillion dollars annually going out investment into these deals, correct? Or is uh, that- we're, no, we're, we're talking about a, a trillion dollars in wind and solar and enabling grid technologies between 2018 and 2030. In total investment. In total invest. Gotcha. Gotcha. That gotcha. makes sense. So, okay, now we're in 2020. You guys recently put out a, a re- sort of great report and survey uh, about the update in progress. And for folks that don't know, you can get that report at, at acor.org. So, I, you know, let's talk about sort of the progress over the last two years. I want to talk about it first pre-COVID. Uh, and then, of course, you know, sort of 2020, you cannot not talk about post-COVID. Amazing sort of a market alignment happening, as you said, in 2019. So the data really points to a booming year in investment. I mean, we at Clean Capital have been living that. That's what sort of what we do every day. But you've started a 21% increase over 2018 levels. Can you sort of set the stage for us on how far the industry has come from when you first published that report before sort of the COVID disruption that we're seeing in the market today? Yeah, we, we saw uh, record investment levels in 2019. Uh, over uh, $68 billion, uh, which is um, a, a substantial a lot jump. Of money. <laughs> a lot of money, 21% increase. Um, you know, we're seriously driving national economic growth, and uh, we've got a lot of employees to show for that across right. the clean energy sector, and that's you know, uh, renewables and efficiency together, you get on the order of 600,000 employees. So, you know, a, a really important part of the American economy and a lot of momentum just booming and expectations for dramatic growth in 2020 coming out of 2019, just a tremendous amount of momentum. Are you, so, do you talk a little bit about where that? gigawatts, sorry. No, go ahead, no, go ahead. This is great data, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, just the uh, the amount of new power brought online, wind and solar, exceeded 21 gigawatts. Um, that's that's just new power, a, yeah. a, a ton of power, and uh, and we're seeing you know more than half of that went to corporate procurement. So uh, oh. a lot of utility procurement and a lot of corporate procurement, a lot of wind and a lot of solar, almost equally divided, which you know right. is a very healthy dynamic. Super healthy dynamic. And we just see that can, that corporate procurement and the hunger for it continue to grow, which is amazing. Can you talk a little bit of, about that 61 million or 61 billion? Sorry. You know, where is that money coming from? I mean, we talk you know, a lot about the need for more institutional investors coming in, right? So it's no longer just private equity that's putting this money to work. You know, are you seeing, are we seeing more pension funds and others 
really stepping their game up? Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing more players coming into the sector. We're seeing different kinds. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of tax equity, but you know, there's you know debt and equity, and uh, you know we have uh, pension funds playing, sovereign wealth funds. You know, uh, it's been a really uh, attractive investment class. Yeah. That has brought more and more players into, into it uh, as you see investors looking for solid returns. And you, and you see uh, a trend toward sustainability-oriented investment. And, and that's, uh, that investment, uh, obviously, it's attractive because you're investing in things that are doing good. It also means you're looking a little more long-term. And that has proven to provide better rewards for investors. So we, you know, those funds have been outperforming the market. Yeah. I mean, even in these uncertain times, I think the, the, what's been great about the solar asset class is folks continue to see it clean energy renewable as a whole is a very solid investment and aren't backing away from it, even in the midst of, you know, I think a lot of uncertainty in the market as a whole, which is. Yeah. A, a, a digression, but. Uh, sure. That kind of investment, uh, ESG investing, uh, has uh, been recently uh, the subject of a proposal from the Labor Department, Department of Labor, under ERISA, which uh, really is about protecting pension funds. And they issued proposed guidance that would establish new hurdles for pension advisors who want to invest in ESG funds on the thesis that uh, you, they may not be adequately protecting the uh, investors and the funds, despite the fact those ESG funds have outperformed the marketplace. Right. So a crazy situation. We think it originated uh, with the president's earlier complaints that sustainability investing is discouraging folks from investing in the fossil sector. Yep. Um, think where all the ESG investors would be if two years ago this rule had been out and they'd all been in the fossil sector instead of an ESG funds, how well they'd be doing now. Yeah. Uh, poorly, more like. So, it, uh, so you know, that's something we're engaging on. It, it's a digression. Uh, no, that's it's actually super interesting. Have you, have you seen any uh, analysis comparing like a dollar, for, if, if people had put a dollar in two years ago into fossil versus today? And if not, it's understandable. I would love to. I've seen the that. data on ESG funds versus the marketplace. Yeah. And there's a lot of data there. They've outperformed the market. And since January, since COVID, they've outperformed the market dramatically. Right. Interesting. Well, offline, I'm going to chase you for that data because that's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Happy, been... happy to share. I got all kinds of stuff on. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll put, we'll put that as much as we can sort of share publicly for folks, because I think that's a really important conversation that needs to be happening. So I do want to I do want to hit on COVID because there's no way to to miss it in this uh, in the in the progress of, you know, where we want to get to in a decade. But hopefully, you know, over time, we're going to see this a little bit of a blimp as we're looking back in 2030. But, you know, COVID-19 was it's contributed substantially to the sort of job sector losses and it's hitting a lot of parts of the industry. It's downgraded analyst projections for 2020 and installations by over 20%. It's constraining tax equity and other financing resources. But, you know, investors in, that you guys have surveyed sort of remain optimistic that the growth over the next three years that we're in 18 and 19 will continue 
what do you think is contributing to that confidence? Yeah, I, I think a, f- a few things. Um, first of all, uh, a sense that uh, these headwinds are temporary. Um, yeah. Even in, in 2020, uh, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're seeing projections about 20% below expectations. That is still putting us ahead of 2019, which was a phenomenal year. Oh, that's so interesting. We're still going to grow as the yeah. projection, just not as much, maybe a megawatt or a gigawatt or two. Yeah. Uh, and, and not, uh, you know, not the really booming increase we were anticipating, but still, still accelerating growth, just, just less so. So, yeah. uh, and, it, you know, in general, I, I think COVID has hit resi much harder than utility scale. Yeah, uh, you know it's so hard to go out to people's houses. It's harder to you know to go door to door to sell, which is sort of part of the business model in many yeah, cases. Letting people in your home to do work, right? Yeah, now. Is that a, and the, yeah. the efficiency sector has been crushed. It's really tough there. Oh, interesting. Um, so, the resi efficiency sector. Uh, I'm sorry. The residential efficiency sector. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and businesses too, because yeah. it's just harder to let other people in. Uh, to wherever you are, if you've got employees there or, you know, you're at home, um, you know, it's just not a good time for that. So, you know, we've been tracking the unemployment data and the job losses since March 1 exceed 500,000. About a fifth of that is in the renewable sector. Uh, We've gained some of those back in June. Yeah. So in the renewable sector, we're down about 84,000 jobs. Uh, we were down 100, so we picked up some. But uh, the lion's share of that, we think, and we don't have hard data where it is. The Bureau of Labor Statistics doesn't disaggregate, uh, so we don't have that classification. But everything we see suggests the lion's share of that is in the residential solar world. Right, right, right. So util- utility scale is... Uh, surviving pretty well to begin with. Yeah. Um, We're not seeing in the commercial industrial space, we're not seeing a lot of slowdown in terms of pipeline where we're seeing challenges is actually in terms of things like just the permitting process, because some of the, 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 you know, the the normal standard, you know, municipal meetings are being delayed by months because they're being handled virtually and it's just they're not making decisions as easily and quickly on stuff. Yeah, we're seeing that across the board. Problems with permitting and citing local decision making. And and depending where you are, shelter in place can be an issue. And there's a concern, obviously, if the pandemic is resurging, we're going to maybe see more shelter in place again. And obviously, that's not correct. Yeah, absolutely. Well, interesting. So I'm going to you know, wave a magic wand and hope by 2021... We're, we've got a, uh, we've, we've got some resolution to COVID, um, that sort of can bring back a little bit of, uh, the world is maybe not normal cause it'll never be, <laughs> never be the same as it was, but you know, the market is normal and th- we still need substantial growth of inter- investment to get to these goals that you guys have laid out. And I know they're stretch goals, but I, but sort of, I applaud the fact that we're really pushing the industry to get there sort of an increase of almost 28% annually. And how, how do we close the gap? Yeah, uh, I want to, you know, just emphasize uh, in, in the way of a run-up and, and giving really a, a more concrete answer to your prior question, too. Why are people optimistic? 
just sounds like the fundamentals in the sector are really strong. The fundamentals that have been driving growth all along, and that's right. You know, continued improvement and cost effectiveness. That that just you know, day to day, year to year, uh, we continue to see uh, wind and solar energy, and also battery storage get cheaper. And that that's yeah. not happening anywhere else uh, in in terms of electricity generation. So that's huge. You know that that's one too. Uh, demand remains strong for renewable power from businesses and from residential consumers. People want renewable power, particularly when we're price competitive. Yeah. So and and obviously we have the advantage of predictable pricing over the longer term. So we're not at the mercy of you know global fuel price gyrations. Uh, so obviously that's huge. And then uh, we have uh, really ambitious. Uh, state and 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 local targets too, but those, those state targets and the most populated states in the country, they're driving a ton of growth, uh, and that that continues. States are not backing away, not at all. Uh, yeah, they're so more that, aggressive. That's key. And, and the other one I would just mention, you know, the climate issue just gets more important by the day, and and obviously that's going to be a driver. That day is going to come where we have some kind of federal policy that supports and facilitates what the ambitious states are trying to do. So all that is driving. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the last four years in particular, right, this is at, at the most has become a really aggressive state game where you have to know, you have to know and understand all these different communities that whether it be, you know, Minneapolis or what's going on in, in uh, now in Virginia, right. as an emerging market. If there is a change in administration, you know, how do you think sort of the current, Biden plan that's been put on the table, right? Or more, I should take it out of just a Biden plan. There's a lot of conversation right now around infrastructure and clean energy, right? And so, you know, people are now looking at, you know, how to start to look at investments in late 2021 based on some of these adjustments uh, that that might happen. So if there is a turn in Washington, do we see sort of the federal play coming back for folks uh, and more and guidance? So, I, I think that's the expectation. I mean, you know, Politics is cyclical and, uh, you know, we'll get our day. I've been saying that for some time, <laughs> but right. I still believe it. I'm old enough. I've seen it happen and then I've seen it go around again. And I think it's, it's uh, looking like it could certainly, uh, the, the tea leaves right now suggest uh, that if the, you know, if the election were tomorrow, uh, we'd certainly be looking at a much friendlier environment for policy on climate. Yeah. Uh, and I think, we're likely to see really a suite of policies. And, and, you know, that's what we put forward. We do have a report at ACOR, Advancing America's Climate Leadership. And that's sort of our premise is that, you know, there's no one silver bullet. We need a suite of policies. They include an ambitious uh, clean energy standard, a national clean energy standard that, you know, provides uh, backing and support and uh, for states that are already aggressive and gets uh, all the states moving. Some form of carbon pricing is helpful. Yeah, uh, It's not an answer in itself, but you need something so that you uh, have uh, incentives that work across sectors, not just the electricity sector. Uh, we're going to need to upgrade our grid dramatically. We're at ACOR, we're working with a whole bunch of groups on a macro grid initiative. This was the uh, uh, Breakthrough Energy, Bill Gates. Yeah supported this initiative. And that, that's really, 
interconnecting our uh, regional transmission uh, infrastructure uh, to make electricity flow much more efficient across the country. We can save consumers a ton of money uh, and uh, make the grid much more flexible, allow for a lot more renewable energy to play. And, and we need to connect better the high resource areas where there's a ton of wind and great solar resource to the population centers of the country better. Yeah. Our grid right now was really built to connect, you know, initially to hydro and then to coal. Yeah. Uh, we need to connect to renewables. We can do that and save a ton of money. Uh, those investments more than pay for ourselves. They're doing that in China. They're doing it in Europe. We need to be making that investment. Yeah. Can I ask you a little more on that, Greg? Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, sure. that's something I wanted to get into is like the, the technology that we need. It's not just about financing, right? We need significant sort of infrastructure technology improvements to, or maybe not even technology improvements, but just infrastructure investments, right? Are you incorporating those into the, the trillion uh, it includes, uh, there, there's a little bit of a uh, kind of a fine line there. So we include uh, grid enabling technologies, but right. not investment in expanded transmission, which we need to do and is another whole category. Sure. And then in that effort, the, so the, the breakthrough effort. Right. Um, Macro you know, grid. Micro right. grid, yeah. Um, it's a great name. What kind of support slash pushback are you getting from the utilities in that space? And, you know, how are they... You know, th- th- obviously, they're seeing all their business models dramatically shift and change uh, almost uh, every year right now. But then you're seeing those that you'd never thought would come to the table, like Dominion and Virginia, step up their game when they get pushed politically to do some really interesting stuff. Yeah, are they, how are they playing in this? Yeah, um, we're working with utilities, uh, not yeah. all of them. Not yeah. all of them, to be clear, but uh, we've got a lot of utility partners, a lot of utilities that understand we need more transmission. They're working for more transmission, and they recognize, you know, we've got an antiquated infrastructure. Yep. And uh, it, it's really important for our competitiveness in the 21st century. So uh, there's, there, it, it's interesting, and, and there's a big transmission element in the, uh, you know, the Biden unity plan that they recently announced. Yes. Um, big transmission element in the uh, select committee and the climate crisis report that came out a couple of weeks ago. So we feel like we're making headway. I mean, part of the challenge is really helping uh, folks understand that transmission is a big part of solving climate. So Huge that, part. Uh, you can't you can't be a climate advocate and say you're against transmission because you, right. you, we just can't get there. We need we need all of it. We need we need a ton of distributed solar, but we need a ton of utility scale everything. No, that's great. That's great feedback, and I feel like it's it's um, you know again, it's about sort of the, the really key blocking and tackling that's got to happen over the next ten years to accelerate to get us to not just a trillion dollars, but to really help solve these, these climate, the climate crisis that we're in. So with um, you know, first of all, sort of challenge people to go to Acor's website, acor.org. If you're in the industry and you're not a member sign up. ACOR is, Greg has done a wonderful job leading this organization. Um, and really, you know, it's a key player, uh, both in Washington, but also many, in many States. Uh, and as Greg said, there's going to be a lot of effort here, uh, to help push hopefully some pretty comprehensive policies forward. And so, you know, for those of us that are not in companies that have huge policy budgets and policy teams, you can follow the lead of ACOR uh, or some of the other industry groups and still play a really active and important role in those discussions. Because having been on the other side of the seat in Washington, nothing is more powerful than 
a business owner from whatever district you're in coming in and saying, hey, this is really important for, for jobs in our hometown. So you, you really take a challenge folks to take a look at these reports, take an active role in what ACOR is doing. Greg, if there's any sort of closing message that you want to sort of put to the listeners to help us really achieve this trillion dollar goal by 2030, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, first, uh, thanks for the kind words, Sean. I, I, sh- I should learn to sort of hawk Acor like that myself. You know? <laughs> I'll that. do it for you, Greg. I, uh, I appreciate your hire. That's great. Appreciate it. The uh, you know, I, in my former life, I had to ask for a lot of money in fundraising, so I'm good at yeah, it. That, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> so you know, just stepping back, the big picture, what we saw in sort of the worst of the pandemic where the economy was completely, uh, you know, uh, hamstrung, was a dramatic improvement in air quality across the country. Uh, Certainly in in the East, uh, better air quality than I've ever had in my lifetime than I've seen, and I'm old. Uh, So, you know, it's impressive. And there was a sense that, you know, it, it was harked to times past. You couldn't get there without really having to hamstring the economy. But if you look at where states are going, all these 100% states and the effort to electrify the economy and go to uh, electric cars and more electric uh, heating and cooling, we can have that same level of pristine air quality and be on our way to solving the climate crisis if we, as a nation, go where those states are going and realize these high renewable penetration goals and an electrified economy, and we can have that better air quality for the whole country. So, you know, there's a vision here and there's evidence of what we can achieve. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the objective. That's what, you know, we're striving for. And the trillion dollars, you know, it's it's a marker along the way that helps us get there. Um, yeah, so yeah and I, but it's, it's important to know that this we're not asking for grants or public money. This is about driving private investment that is getting great returns to do something that hits all those benefits that you laid out, right? It's yeah, and really, a ton of jobs. Save consumers money in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much for, for joining us. And thanks for, for the American Council on Renewable Energy for all the work you're doing. Um, you can always go to acor.org to get, to get those reports. And as always, you can uh, go to cleancapital.com to get more episodes of, of Experts Only. One to, uh, Greg, thank you for joining us. It's a it's a pleasure, John. Anytime, uh, and uh, appreciate always the help and support. Absolutely, and I want to thank you know our, produ- our producers uh, Carly Batten and Courtney Flynn for their uh, work putting this together, and the team at Acor for providing their information. Uh, please go to cleancapital.com to get more episodes. And as always, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.